Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilosoff, and I'm your host. I'm the creator and editor-in-chief of Divorced Girl Smiling, the media company comprised of a website, podcast, mobile app, and a list of wonderful divorce professionals, one who I'm here with today. When I was getting divorced, I remember all I kept thinking was, I want to keep the house. I just want the house. Because it was our house where my kids, friends came over, and I didn't want my kids to be upset that they had to move. They were upset enough about the divorce. And there were many other reasons. I was comfortable there. I liked the neighborhood. I had all my spots. And when you're going through a divorce, there's so much change that you don't want to also change where you're living. So here to talk with me today about your options when it comes to your house when you're getting divorced is mortgage lender Jan Leisure. Hi, Jan. Hi, Jackie. So we are sitting here, and it is so wonderful to be with Jan. I have so much respect for her. She is a mortgage lender. She's been in the business since 1995. She's also a CDLP, a certified divorce lending professional, and she is divorced personally, so she went through this whole thing, and I think she's going to give some wonderful advice. So thank you for being here, Jan, and spending the time to do this. Thank you for having me, Jackie. This is fun. So tell me about why you decided to get into the mortgage industry and why you decided to become specialized in divorce and how that all tied in with your divorce. Uh, My divorce was a very, very long time coming. And I would say that it was such a long time coming because at the time when I was getting a divorce, which was 2006 was when my divorce was finalized, but it probably took about 15 years prior to that of some toxic living before I actually was able to um, to finalize that and take the leap. Um, I would say, first of all, uh, Jackie, I want to thank you for putting together such a great website and such a great product and so many resources for people because had I had this when I was in my 30s, um, I think that I would have gotten the um, sounding board that I needed, I think, to pull the trigger a little bit quicker. So mine was very, mine was very lengthy. um, Obviously too many details to go over today, but it was, um, it was very, it was very painful and very difficult. um, And also like everyone else, something that my children um, were not in favor of. But, uh, but I was able to do it, was able to get out. Um, and part of the reason, or a very large part of the reason I think that I did not get out sooner was because I did have a very big, beautiful home. Um, I was the primary wage earner, so that wasn't, that wasn't the problem. But it was the gathering place for my family as well as for yours. All the kids were at my house as my kids got older, whether they were in grade school, high school, college, everyone came back to my house. So there was an emotional uh, connection that I was um, hesitant to clip the cord on. And um, and then also, also, you know, some some other situations. Um, When I did finally get a divorce and I already had been a mortgage lender, I did become a CLDP about five years ago when the program was new because I felt that having been a divorced woman especially, that gave me some insights that someone who has that designation just might not be able to relate to. And I think I have a lot of empathy and I can re- I relate to my customers. So being a CDLP, tell my listeners 
what the advantage is. I mean, it doesn't cost any more to work with Jan because she's a CDLP, but like, what are the advantages? What did you learn in the training that qualifies you to work with divorce professionals and divorce people? Well, first of all, there's there's so many options available to you that are not as cut and dried as what you might go over with your attorney because it's a very specialized area. What, what the attorneys don't know is that there are sometimes special uh, rules and regulations put in place, especially for people who are getting a divorce. And you might not know that. There are things that have to do with how much money you can take out if you're gonna buy someone out of their mortgage um, to the possibility of being able to assume the mortgage, which is, um, I, which is something that I never see anyone discuss except me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is great. And you, you said something that made me think of something I learned over the last year or so, which is if you're, if this is to my listeners, if you're getting divorced or thinking about getting divorced, everyone thinks your first call should be to a divorce attorney. I completely disagree and think your first call, one of your first calls should be to a mortgage lender because then, okay, wait, I take that back. If you own a home and want to stay in it, one of your first calls should be to a mortgage lender because they do all the numbers and they can tell you what the reality of that is going to be, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? As you're calling a divorce attorney, you need to call a mortgage lender. Well, it makes a lot of sense because you don't know, you might think that you don't qualify to handle the mortgage on your own. Rates are significantly higher than they were the last 36 months. So you might just completely discount that you have that option. Um, there are many, many different ways that people can qualify. And I think, the, actually, the very first thing that I tell people um, when they come in and have a, have a conversation with me is not that they should refinance, but that they should look into assuming the current mortgage that's on the property if they have a rate that's in the twos or the threes. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's get to the options. So if somebody comes in and they're talking to you, what what options do they have? You just said one of them that makes a ton of sense, especially with interest rates where they're at now. But what are the, some of the other options? Um, if you want to stay in the property, the two the two main options that you have are either to assume the mortgage or to refinance the property in order to get your spouse's name off of the title. The difference between assuming a mortgage is that you are basically, it's just what it sounds like, you're assuming the current balance that's on your house. So if you have a home that's worth $500,000 and you have a $300,000 loan on the property, assuming the mortgage will allow you to take that $300,000, uh, put it into your name, and you not only assume the balance, but you assume the rate and the payment just as it is. This is, um, there was a law passed several years ago to allow people who were in the situation where they were both on the mortgage, both on the title, or maybe, maybe you're just on the title and you're not even on the mortgage, but your spouse wants to get off, that allow you to look into this. Now, there's there are a lot of different rules and regulations involved with assuming a mortgage, so it's kind you have to qualify. So it's kind of like qualifying to do a refinance, where you will have to bring in. You have to look at your credit. We'll have to look at your income. Are you working? Are you not working? Um, and um, 
you qualify for this the same way that you would qualify for a refinance. However, the benefit is that you get to keep the rate that you currently have and where, where rates are right now, if you refinance, you're probably going to double your principal and interest. Doesn't mean you can't refinance later, but that in a divorce situation could be the difference between someone staying in their home and someone leaving their home. Right now, for someone to want to assume a mortgage, the reasoning behind that would be that they want to retain the rate and the payment. So anyone who refinanced in 2019, 20, or 21, people might have, you know, maybe maybe they thought the problems in their marriage were financial and the mortgage payment was killing them. So just like somebody has a baby to try to save their marriage, somebody gets a refinance, they lower it, and they save $1,000 a month, and they think that maybe that will take some of the strain off their relationship. So those are really the people that I'm that I'm talking to. Even somebody in the fours, in, in the... If you're in the twos, threes, fours, fives, you know, when, when you get to the sixes, then refinancing is probably just as, as good of an option. Jan, you're showing so much of your wisdom because you're right. I could see somebody thinking, oh, if we just get, have our manage our finance be finances better, our marriage is going to be so much better. And you're right. And maybe that's what happened because what I've noticed is people don't just get divorced spur of the moment. This is years in the making. It takes, you know, somebody might decide they want a divorce and try to work it out and then decide, no, I need to get a divorce and then try to work it out again. I've known people where it takes three, four, five, six years just to get to that point when they know with certainty they're going to get divorced. It probably took me about 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with Jackie Pillisoff and my guest, mortgage lender and CDLP, Jan Leisure. And we're talking about your options when it comes to your home if you're getting divorced. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get into more specifics of these options. We'll be right back. Dating after divorce can seem really, really scary. Showing vulnerability, trusting someone again, and trusting yourself to choose the right kind of people. Those are some things that can seem really challenging and intimidating. So if you feel like you need some help, I would highly recommend dating and love coach Maria Spears. Maria is wonderful. She offers individual coaching. She also offers group coaching and I just love Maria. I really trust her, and she's been doing this for a long time, completely knows what she's doing. If you want to reach her, you can find her at maria-spears.com or in the Trusted Partners section of Divorced Girl Smiling. I also want to mention divorce attorney Katherine Becker-Good. If you live in Massachusetts, I just think the world of Katherine. She has been practicing for 34 years. She has a heavy, heavy concentration in mediation. She treats every client like they are her only client, really client-focused, really good person, very smart, very experienced. So again, her name is Katherine Becker Good. She can be found at cbgoodlaw.com or in the trusted partner section of Divorced Girls Smiling. 
Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilosoff and I'm your host. I'm here with mortgage lender Jan Leisure, who is also a certified divorce lending professional. She's out of Libertyville, but she services several states in the U.S., and has been doing this since 1995. And Jan, I forgot to mention the name of your company, which is Diamond Residential Mortgage Corporation. So let's get into more specifics. When I got divorced, I had no idea what it meant to take over the mortgage or refinance or do anything of that. Tell my listeners what kind of information you need from them and what mortgage companies look at or it's not mortgage companies, it's banks, banks. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and what banks look at in order to give you the mortgage? What do they? What do you need to show? Well, you need to you need to show that you have um, reasonable credit. And when I you know when I say reasonable, you don't have to have eight hundred credit. You have to have qualifying credit, and it depends on the kind of a loan that you're that you're qualifying for. So you have to have credit. You have to have income. So you have to have a job history and you have to, in some cases, you have to have some reserves. For some types of mortgages, you don't even have to have reserves. And when we were talking about assuming a mortgage, one thing that I didn't mention, so when I'm talking about about a new, new-ish law that allows you to go in and assume the mortgage of the other partner, um, that's a regular conventional loan and you have to qualify for that. However, FHA loans and VA loans, if you're a veteran or you're, you're married to a veteran, those loans do have an assumption clause right in the mortgage. So that makes it easier to assume those types of loans. Um, when we get into the process, I'm gonna, I'll finish this, this assumption part in just a minute, but when we get into the assumption portion of a loan, um, let's say we have someone who is a stay-at-home spouse and they don't have any income. Um, you have to apply to the lender that is holding your mortgage. And I'm happy to talk to people and walk them through this and help them with it. And, and I don't charge anything for that. You know, I just want to see people get the, the best situation for themselves. Um, and if you are a stay-at-home person and you are currently not working, so you can't meet the income qualification of assuming a mortgage, there are some um, lenders, and everybody has their own rules to try to follow this law, but you may be able to take on a non-occupant co-borrower, like a parent or a sibling, um, you know, or, or someone who's very close to you to co-sign for you and meet the qualification for the actual, um, the actual income portion of that until you get on your feet or you're getting spousal support or, you, you know, you have some other form of income. All right, now I was going to ask you that. So if someone's a stay-at-home mom and they don't have job history and they don't have an income or they don't have enough of an income, what do you need to show as far as child support payments? Like I know you need to show some kind of history, like six months. Do these banks look at the divorce decree that shows that the person is going to have to pay the maintenance and child support. Does that come into play? They do. They do look at that. So that you you supply your divorce decree just the way you supply your tax returns. And I I know people are very private about this, but they're not really looking for the actual details of 
why you were divorced. They're looking at the financial settlement portion of it. So if you have um, a spouse that hasn't been working and they have young children, for example, say three, four, and five, and they're going to get a certain amount of child support and maybe maintenance until those children are 18 years old, we can use that as income. They don't if they if that's enough to qualify, they don't even have to have another job. Um, what we do look for are several things. So one of those is before you can close the transaction, you have to have or been in receipt of those payments for six months. So you have to have received six payments before we close. In order, if you have to count it as income. If you don't need it as income, then that doesn't matter. Um, also, if your children are teenagers and you're using child support or, or um, um, alimony to qualify for the mortgage, you have to have or prove that there are 36 months remaining on the reception of that, um, that income. I've actually been through both of those scenarios, but let me ask you this. So what if you're getting divorced and you want to take over the mortgage, but you don't have six months yet of proven payments? How does that work? Or any. Well, or, so, or any. Or any. Those would be the circumstances where I would, um, I would start seeking out someone to possibly be a non-occupant co-borrower on my loan, which can, I mean, that can, it can obviously can last forever, but it can also last just for six months or a year until you're actually getting the child support or you're getting the child support and you've gotten a job or you go back into your career. You know, maybe you were a teacher and you've been home for 10 years and then you go back into teaching. We really only need one paycheck then. All right, that's good to know. But also, let's say you're going to say, okay, mom and dad, I'm getting divorced. Can you be the co-signer just for six months? Does that just drop off or do you then have to go through no, a whole nother process? Then they refi to get off of the, to, get, to, to not be responsible for the payment. So while they're, while they're on it as a co-borrower, they're an owner of the property, joint, a joint tenant, and they are also hypothetically responsible for the payment if you can't make it. So then they go back to you after six months, say, okay, now I'm working, or now there's been six months of child support paid, or both. Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, Jan, we need to just get my parents off the loan. Mm -hmm. So that sounds pretty simple. Right, and we might do it. Well, it, all the other thing that's involved in this is we watch rates. So if they've been on it for six months or seven months and we're kind of in a down downward spiral <clears throat> as far as rates are concerned, we might just assess the situation, unless it's, a, unless it's an absolute necessity that they have to get off. But we want to also make sure that it's in the best interest of the person that, that we're working right. for. Right, even that if you can maybe say... Maybe it can go down a little bit. Yeah, even and, a, yes. a half a point or a yes. point can mean hundreds of dollars. Oh, for sure. I wanted to go back to this thing about your credit that you said at the beginning. So ha, tell my listeners how you get your credit score to be better. How, I don't even know anything about it even now. Like when I say, oh, we can send you your credit score, I go, okay, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Well, first of all, there's, so now in the last five years or so, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of publicity about credit, credit scores, credit karma, credit.com, you know, let Capital One, will send you your credit score. Those are all very good educational tools, but they are not... Um, the be-all and end-all of what your actual credit score is. Because every commercial place that runs your credit, so whether it's for a car loan or if it's for a mortgage 
or if you're going into Ashley Furniture and you want to get an Ashley credit card, each one of those places has a different algorithm to run your credit. So you might uh, run your credit yourself on freecreditreport.com and you have three scores because there's three credit bureaus and maybe your credit scores are 702, 710, and 780. And you call me and you say, oh, this is not going to be a problem. My scores are all in the 700s. And I say, is it okay to run your credit? And I run your credit, and but all your scores are in the 600s. All right, it's not because our, um, our information is more sensitive than, you know, than Credit Karma. It's that because we have, there's a different algorithm to show ability to pay as far as a mortgage is concerned. So there might be some small thing on your credit report that, the three bureaus don't like as far as a mortgage and it gets lower. So we have to assess the situation. You know, we have to evaluate the credit, get, mostly give people advice on how quickly and what they need to do in order to change that. Um, one of the things that people want to do is if, if they're in the, in the process or even thinking about this and you're an authorized user on your spouse or partner's credit um, and if, if it's not, if you're not in a contentious situation, this doesn't matter quite as much, but if it could turn contentious, my advice would be to get yourself removed, which only takes a phone call to the creditor. You don't have to involve the other person, you know, and just say that you don't want to be on this credit card anymore, identify yourself, give them your information, and they'll take you off of that. So what does that do? That reduces your debt load. And it might even remove some negative credit from your credit report. Jan, that is great advice. So anyone who's listening, did you hear that? If you are thinking of getting divorced and there's a little less trust, you're not sure how this is going to go, you'd be very wise to separate yourself credit-wise from your spouse. Get off credit cards, get off bank accounts, open your own. 100%. 100%. Very helpful advice. Jan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for spending time to do this. I have one more question. What advice do you have either emotionally or financially for somebody who is thinking of getting divorced or getting divorced? Do you have any final thoughts of advice? I do. I would say, um, and I, because maybe I say this because I used to be an educator, but I would say educate yourself and study and take advantage of all the resources, not only that you offer, Jackie, but um, there are so many more resources out there now uh, than when I got a divorce. And I think that the more information that you have, the less scary it is, um, the less anxiety you will put yourself through because I think that education is power. And credit credit is one of those areas. The other, the other small um, piece of advice that I might give is to start your own bank account. Um, you know, you don't want to get to a point where people are angry and they're trying to take money from each other, but if you start your own bank account or, you know, you amicably decide to, to um, remove yourselves from the joint accounts and so that you can have your own, I think that's really super good advice and it also can save you. I had a friend last week whose husband opened up a credit card, um, ran it up to $20,000. He's on her bank account, on her checking account. That was the bank that he took the credit card out at. Now they live together, they're not in the process of divorce or anything, but he didn't make the payment and the credit card just sucked $1,000 right out of her bank account. And she it caused her um, tremendous amount of misery. 
That is such an awful story and you're very smart to tell people to do that, especially if there's been a trust breakdown recently. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, and I think, um, it's, and it's very, it's very disappointing when people that you love and trust all of a sudden turn the corner, you know, and you feel that you can't trust what they're doing financially, emotionally, um, you know, in all the areas of your life. But I think the best thing to do is to try to protect yourself. And I will say that I didn't always do that. So I'm speaking from experience as well. Same here, Jan, we're on the same page. I'm not, Divorce Girl Smiling doesn't try to give people advice and say like, here's what you should do. I talk about a lot of things I did wrong. And so I'm just trying to help people. I did some things right, I did some things wrong, and I just kind of tell everything. So anyway, thank you again for being here. It was so nice to talk to you and hear your great advice. Tell my listeners how they can reach you. Uh, they can reach me at um, on phone at 847-293-2111. That's my cell phone. Um, and I'm always available. Text me if you need to get a hold of me. They can reach me um, through um, Diamond Residential Mortgage on our website, diamondresidentialmortgage.com. They can reach me on my website at um, Lake County Loan Goddess. So I'm I'm everywhere. Just Google me and you can find me. Or under the Divorce oh. Girl Smiling yes, Trusted duh. Partners. <laughs> so you can look on that page. And then also I have Jan's website up and it's diamondresidential.com. And then you can just hit slash Jan Leisure and it'll take you right to Jan. Thanks again, Jan. And to my listeners, if you want to listen to more podcasts, read articles, or find other trusted divorce professionals and Jan, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you real soon.